So, how long do you think the Apple Watch icon is going to sit on our phones until we buy one? <laughs> because you can't get rid of it, and it's pretty much a big advertisement otherwise. I'm really curious to see if they're going to sunset this off after a while or if they're pulling an apple and saying basically fuck you your phone is not really your phone and we're gonna have this icon this constant ad here i mean what if i had like no wrists no hands no arms that would be a pretty sad reminder edge cases (laughs) regardless that's kind of what i feel like apple has has only left me the choice of cutting off my arms or buying an Apple Watch. What do you think about that? Yeah, I haven't um, actually uh, been following the Apple Watch stuff very much because uh, I don't wear a watch. So you think just because you don't wear a watch, you're not going to find the Apple Watch service I'm, offerings helpful or or because you don't like just wearing a physical device on your wrist like that well i think of this as a kind of a pure fashion play by apple hmm. okay and i think you you know me pretty well i'm 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 not <laughs> i'm not very fashionable they do have a lot of different bands and offerings there i will give them that um big price ranges right from yeah you know a couple hundred up to a couple thousand uh uh yeah hand uh uh several hundred to several thousand i think yeah. would be I, I i here i'll look at the site right now and then uh we can see like <clears throat> yeah they, they must have uh the prices there i think we we glanced at them at one point and, uh yeah like what if we just say okay you know like uh View models and pricing. Okay, so now there's the edition and the watch and the watch sport. Uh, you can get really fancy editions, 10,000, 12,000, stuff like that. Uh, and they have, uh, I guess, what to me are indistinguishable from luxury watch features. I know there's been a lot of discussion on, on the uh, proverbial watch blogs and stuff. Who I, I'm pretty sure the, anyone running something like that has had the most relevant year of their lives. Uh, but there's, you know, a lot of di- discussion about whether this is really a watch and if this is should be compared to stuff like Rolexes. Mm. But I don't know because it depends on what your criteria is, right? This is a new kind of machine that does some different stuff. It's not a, uh, a machine that had essentially been invented, what, 100 years ago? I mean, the British had a chronometer uh, longer ago than that. I mean, the the, the, the mechanical watch is a long-running right. product. Yeah, it's it's its own unique sort of art form, if you will, and and, and yeah, maybe that's, that's why they fair. can charge it's... hundreds of thousands, depending on you know well, the brand. Yeah, I mean, and... it's fashion, but I guess there is an artistry to it. Uh, uh, it's it is. It's very much like an older version of what Apple does try to um, try to do, right? Straddle the line between an idea and a machine, between a style and a technology, and uh, and so I, I don't 
I don't, I do see, I do think I see some, you know what I mean, some relevance for Apple as a company, but I don't see relevance for me. Okay, that's interesting. I, I, I think it would actually be kind of neat to have. Um, I've been wearing my Fitbit, so I'm, I'm used to having yeah. the watch. It looks like it's going to be pretty um, non-invasive, you know, like you, you might not even really notice it, depending on what kind of band you get, you know, it might just feel just like a very light little bracelet it wouldn't fit like some watches you know they they're really a, a, they're heavy they're hardware they're you know big and clunky and you really know that you have them on but um i bet the apple watch will be nice and slick but i i, I still think like you know this this whole idea of having the the icon there and not being able to get rid of it like like you said so okay maybe i went extreme with the no arms but that you are just not a watch person, and so I mean, it's just kind of like taking up that space on your it's screen. Taking a valuable drive space. Yeah, I mean, I guess I could move it, can I? Let's see. It'll, it'll at least let me move it to like my last screen with all the sad things, but still. Well, uh, they have a number of, of uh, uh, apps that are just kind of taking up residency on the iPhone and don't seem like they're going anywhere. Like, um, what is that ticket one? Passbook or something? Have you ever used that for anything? Um, I have. When I travel, sometimes um, I'll have the option to add my tickets there and then they're all kept together and I can open it up and um, use the scanning code. But a lot of the times I just download each individual airline's app yeah. because that gives me more information about, you know, gates and gate changes and it's specific to that flight that well, I'm taking. Yeah, and the thing is that only that that only showed up a year or two ago or, or, or ballpark, right? Like and so most or all of the airlines had their own apps by then and yeah, they weren't gonna just go over to that only, right? So in a way that probably still gets second class support from a lot of airlines. Yeah, it's supposed to be kind of like a launch app. So like in addition to your flights, like my Starbucks card is in there. I think you can add, um, you know, other apps that you yeah. know you can connect into it. So if it's like, it's kind of like the kind of it's kind of like a wallet of sorts, but you know, well, kind of like a one password. It's just. You know, they're calling out a passbook. Everybody's trying to figure out this, you know, micromanagement of the greater digital stuff, well, right? Like, yeah. we all need that quick little going out wallet of here's my five most important things, you know, that I'm doing right now. Apple has faced some, some strange, uh, I would say, mixed results uh, with their vertical apps what's the right way to describe them you know these things that are like they're they're facilitating services for service industries like for example remember that they had they had a uh, a news um pay like a uh uh something that was a newsstand app or something like that do you do you, you remember that like I, yes. That is so irrelevant. I think it's it's part. It was kind of part of the past book. It's the, it, yeah. It may have come at a similar time, and the idea was that uh, you know that that media companies could set up there, right? Instead of setting up on the web or in an app, this was a place for people to go and then 
uh, get media and for media companies to sell it, right? Yeah. And but I, what I heard just anecdotally is that people were trying to break out of that thing so fast in the sense that they could not find a single advantage on being a newsstand. And it didn't seem to drive a lot of its own traffic compared to being in the app store as your own app. Even right. if what you're doing is specifically a news operation, like you're still going to find a lot of news organizations having their own app. Now, I, that's not really something that I see too much of a place for because I'm like uh, going to use apps that are, aggregate RSS feeds like Feedly mm-hmm. or uh, uh, Reader or uh, something like that, Unread. Uh, so I'm going to I'm going to use one of those apps and I'm going to kind of pick and curate my sources. I don't want to I think that's very 20th century, very like, you know, old media to just have say, well there's this news brand whether it's like, you know, local, you know, uh, CBS 3 or whatever the hell or or whether it's New York Times or or Economist or something. Like it doesn't matter like they're really just, you know, brands that like have have moved well beyond their relevance in terms of discerning news consumers who are still going to look at the byline they're going to look at the section they're going to look at you know metadata like when it came out or where it's being passed around other places right like there's other signals that people are going to look for rather than this comes from an authoritative news source like so i think that they missed on that and i think on like ibooks i think it's somewhere in between it's not you know I don't think it's doing too poorly. I've actually heard that iBooks is the number two ebook mm-hmm. uh, seller in the U.S. or something like that. Uh, well, that's pretty good. But I guess you know Amazon is such a massive number one with their Kindle platform uh, that you got to think. Well, that's the real number one by far. But at the same time, you know, I think they've done okay with it. But it, but I have heard of some cases of people deciding to uh, uh, just have an app. For their book so you can pay for the app and the cut is the same so i mean i could see that but only really if you were going to make the app something that i mean the book i don't know yeah. something that would go on and be updated and try to stay relevant and evolve and uh offer right reasons for people to come back because if it's uh like like the 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 ebook system is pretty well established and taking up a whole spot on somebody's home screen i mean it's a bold move it's a bold play but like maybe maybe an author app you know where you you release an uh, uh, something every year, even if it's an in-app purchase, and it, you know, but like just a single book for an app. But you know, what I mean, it got to that point where people are like, no, just everything is an app on iOS, right? And Apple's having a hard time convincing people to go into these verticals. Using uh, the uh, uh, build system tool, Gulp. Uh, I was telling you about that, right? Like, yeah. So, uh, Gulp is a uh, is a tool available on Node Package Manager uh, that you can uh, you can use to convert uh, files. Uh, for example, minify CSS, uglify JavaScript. Uh, do do so you know convert those files so that they're smaller uh, when they, you load them off a server if you have them in production uh, 
and then it can also convert uh, SAS and less. So uh, I I actually was uh, you know I, I I tried using Bootstrap uh, and I couldn't get it to work with less and grunt. So I tried the SAS version and uh, that compiled. But yeah, like I so I tried I tried grunt and I tried gulp. So they're fairly similar. But and I I guess I do I do like gulp better it's like more uh, uh code based so like grunt it's like a huge configuration file and what is it with gulp well the the gulp file as they call it is more it's it's more like a program like um the it the uh grunt file almost looks like a huge uh object literal in JavaScript uh, uh, terminology, I'd say like this is this is what it looks like. Not that my grunt file is maybe an exemplar, but uh, you you see a lot of uh, a lot of stuff where there's a a, a you know a, a value uh, and a colon and then another value like you know it's like a big config file. Okay. And so it's set you know it's set up. Um, I have everything set up on grunt under a default task so you go to you navigate to the directory that grunt's installed in and then you type grunt and it it'll convert anything that's in the folders that it's set up to do but I, I have gulp set up to do finer grain stuff so i go to the directory and then i type in gulp sas if i want to convert sas files or there's similar things to type for the css minify and the javascript Uglify and all that. So, uh, just to give you an idea, the the gulp file, uh, it's just it's a little more like code. So for people that like JavaScript, it, it's something like you can use uh, when you're setting it up. It kind of feels more like writing a program. Okay. So, two different options and just more of a of a choice and a preference, or does one have you know a better functionality? Well, you know, they offer very similar functionality. That's definitely yeah, very relevant, uh, you know, thing to consider. What, you know, the ecosystem. So Grunt was around a little longer. I guess some of the, uh, the thinking behind Gulp was, uh, was you know, based on, like, well, we like what Grunt can do, but we want to, you know, have it set up, like, more like a JavaScript program. We want, you know, um, there, there's a, uh, maybe still a slightly bigger ecosystem for Grunt. Gulp seems to have pretty good momentum too, and uh, there, yeah, there are a number of other like tools like it. But those are two of the higher profile ones that people use for you know JavaScript type stuff a lot. So is is Gulp influenced by Grunt? Oh, definitely. Or, okay, and is are the Grunt people okay with that? I mean, is is this part of this this universe? This world of code where that's okay? Is it a competitor, well, would you say? There, yeah, I mean, there's like all different person kinds of personalities in these, in these you know, uh, projects. But I think in this case uh, that, yeah, they're both, um, they're both doing pretty good projects. And I think, I think they're pretty collegial. Oh, that's cool. You remember the uh, show that used to catch my attention actually there were a lot of them uh on the spanish channel uh yeah univision or one of those uh channels um the uh 
the show Sabato Gigante. Ay, 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 es no bueno. <laughs> I never even really thought of that, but I, I, I think you, you have a point that, uh, that, that uh, probably goes back to Sim- Simpsons and... Uh, End so. of an era. Well, yeah, it, he, um, I guess this dude uh, uh, was on it a long time, maybe like, uh, yeah, Mario Kreutzberger, uh, he played a, a, a host named Don Francisco, and uh, the whole show, I mean, it was a throwback, I mean, I know you have to allow for cultural differences, but he would have a group of people, adults, people of a whole age, range of ages, all like singing along and uh, like singing a song and doing like a dance and stuff. Yeah. Going, not just like in and out of the commercial break briefly, but for like a, a spell on the show. I mean, it was. I mean, they had a they had a lot of time to fill up on the on the show. I mean, like like uh, another Simpsons reference. Like Krusty's like, I guess we could cut the hobo parade down to a lean fifteen minutes. Yeah, because wasn't it like, isn't it like a four-hour show or something like that? Or, it was a long show. Well, yeah, so he's, so, well, I'm sure they'll probably keep a variety type thing in that slot, right? But they're going to have to reformat it. I mean, like, what's everybody else going to do? The whole show's over? Or they're just going to get a new host? Okay. I think it's over. Oh, wow. Que lastima. Well, I saw uh, something on the site called html5rocks.com. HTML5rocks? Like, yeah. you rock! It looks like it's spelled that way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it looks, it, it appears that uh, there's uh, something coming into JavaScript. Uh, cut and copy. Hmm. Um, and any text selected in the browser, uh, uh, quoting them, when one of those commands is executed, will be cut or copied to the user's clipboard. It's, uh, it looks like IE10 has added support for something called document.exec, capital C, command, parentheses. Some, uh, you know, uh, function in JavaScript, I, I think. Uh, so I don't know, like the the idea being that at some point, like um, uh, you can use JavaScript to maybe have a uh, uh, email, you know, uh, address or a bit of text copied to someone's clipboard with a button. Obviously, this is sort of a uh, you know corner case. I don't know, but and also uh, I I can think of GitHub already supporting that, but they might use Flash or something or. Uh, or some custom JavaScript to support it. But, you know, like you can you click on the clipboard and then that, that can be something you type in to uh, check out uh, code or whatever. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I mean, having a, ma- a lot of times mainstreaming these features into JavaScript is a good thing, you know, because it's like 
though you'll see them on the web but it'll require a plugin or it'll require some really custom behavior or a certain browser and so like getting them into standards or getting them widely adopted is is pretty cool because it's like you, know, you think about it right people developing web apps they're they're gonna want the whole tool set i mean if you can like command c something in uh a desktop app you should be able to do it in the browser you know and and have it have a similar effect in a web app why not i mean there are is a whole hot keys culture out there well certainly and and even for for mainstream users to just cl uh, click on a, a link that'll give them a payload that they need for another site or another app you know uh, maybe they need a password or maybe they need a magnet link for a torrent or maybe they need you know someone's uh you know screen name and you know a social app or something so yeah if it comes to uh mainstream javascript support then it would uh also you know probably be a lot easier to support sooner uh and better on mobile yeah you know that, that i mean that's a real solution is to just you know as long as the the mobile browsers keep you know, updating their supported JavaScript. They might be a version or two behind some of the desktop support, but you know, um, over time, you know, you, you kind of expect them to more or less fully implement features. Yeah, I guess. I mean, as a super heavy mobile user, I feel like everybody is behind, and I am. I mean, I'm just hearing now that. Google is starting to do some things to make things, you know, having these standards for mobile. And it's like, really? In 2015? How long have we been mobile? Like, what? Well, I, I guess my question was, did people not think that it was going to be the runaway success that it was? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it it's become more than time to face the reality on mobile. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have, and I think Google is pushing people along in that direction because they are uh uh as of april 21st uh like uh last week they are basically the way i read it they are favoring or even you know met, um including at the expense of you know those not in the group uh, mobile sites um, for their mobile search. Yeah. Now, uh, differing, uh, I heard kind of start differing reports on whether or not it was going to be increased as a signal, a search signal, I guess, as they like to call it, uh, 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 for their regular desktop search too. But that may be, especially considering people send stuff, not just to other people. And it can go from desktop to mobile or any other combination. It can also do that from person to person, right? People using services like Pocket or just emailing themselves. Yeah. Like, you know, it's been done for, for many years. Uh, that kind of thing, like, uh, you know, there's uh, there's more tech news. Uh, BlackBerry CEO, you, you told me about this one. I did. Well, what do you think the the BlackBerry people are gonna hear? No They want uh, they want to regulate uh, the industry so that people are compelled to make uh, 
to make apps for their 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 fading platform. Can't wait. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like the Dreamcast saying, "I demand that you make video games for said Dreamcast." For there are still people who have this and think it is thy most awesomest device in thine world. Yeah, that's what you sound like. Okay, exactly. Blackberry, like, like, okay, you can't develop relationships with your development partners and show them numbers and data as to the revenue that they're going to make. I think they're pretty much done at this point. You have to go and pout to, was it Congress? I mean, was it pretty, it was pretty up there, wasn't it? Yeah. Somebody stupid yeah. like that, stupidly high. And, and it's just, I don't, I don't understand it. It's bad PR. I have a story from the land of Michigan. The land of Michigan. This is a headline. Missing sisters survived two weeks in woods on Girl Scout cookies, comma, cheese puffs from Angie Jackson at MLive.com. The only reason that that story is being reported is because of that oddity. Well, okay. If you, I'll let me read you a little bit of the story. Quote, Lutz County, Michigan... Two sisters who were missing for nearly two weeks in a remote area of the Upper Peninsula. I don't think there's any areas that aren't remote of the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. I mean, we've been there. And is this a recent story? I mean, it might still be snowing up there, so it could be April chilly. April 24th, it's probably still snowing up there. Um, two sisters were missing for nearly two weeks in a remote area of the Upper Peninsula survived by Girl Scout cookies and cheese puffs. Lee Wright, 56... And Leslie Roy, 52, were weak but otherwise seemed to be in good condition when a state police helicopter rescued them Friday from a two-track road in northern Lutz County when their Ford Explorer became stuck in deep snow on April 11th. Oh my gosh. So, of course, my first question is, what kind of Girl Scout cookies? I mean, did you have, like, some peanut butter tagalongs, give you some protein, or, you know, I mean, were you just there on shortbread, or, you know, and then cheese puffs, I mean, where were they headed They were somewhere? traveling from, oh, uh, they were, they were traveling from Oklahoma and Nebraska visiting family. They had no idea what they were getting themselves into. Uh, the Their SUV got stuck in snow i quote again along chris point road about three miles from chris point lighthouse on lake superior and no cars came by the road just wide enough for one vehicle was impassable marker said trees lined the road unquote you you know you i don't think people have no idea and this is an area that's east of the mississippi but this is one of the remote the most remote areas in the country um, when we went there, we drove because um, we did like kind of late Michigan Circle tour. Because we, so we went uh, to the to the Knock Peninsula and st- and that was like super cool. But um, actually, that area is less remote. 
even though what there was like what a store every like 50 miles yeah. and like a lighthouse every 30 or something right <laughs> and like a pasty a, shop a, every 20 and oh i got one for that and, and 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 yeah and the gas station or a store or something or a farm and along the way and then just like i mean you know timber country and just really remote stuff and like well that was the southern area and then we ended up in uh going through uh saint ignace but we actually stayed in Ma- i think Mac mechanic city which is in the uh northern part of the lower peninsula but you know i mean that area um is yeah it's it's less remote and i mean you're you're in april and you're on the shores of lake superior one lane road they were on like a timber road i mean yeah okay it might have been the the main road between two places up there look where you are on the map you know what i mean like that is not and and they're from oklahoma and nebraska okay but yeah i mean when you hear like girl scout cookies and cheese puffs like yeah um and and uh yeah what a uh what a story huh i don't know <laughs> well i'm glad they got how did they get rescued how did they finally Oh, uh, uh, um, here, this is a good bit of color. Well, <laughs> when when we pulled up, they grabbed their purses and Lee Wright clutched on her Bible and both women were very happy, Aww. Uncle Marker said. It was hugs all around. Those Michiganders <laughs> and their car Bibles. something maybe new is piqued your interest well i think like what happened with the podcast right is that it became a a stocking pool for uh my videos uh and almost almost like accidentally but the um the vertical videos as i called them which of course is a is a really uh dumb uh equivocation or or uh uh, whatever, but, uh, it, um, it, it was like, it was like, I enjoyed kind of pulling different parts of the videos together and then putting them on, uh, on YouTube. And I thought like, yeah, this is kind of cool. Like, and so it had an effect on the podcast. It, 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 after, after making the first batch of them, I thought, oh, well, I should, I, I want to make, you know, like, 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 um, I mean, I always, I want to talk about fedoras. I always want to talk about fedoras. Like, but you know what I mean? I knew I needed more fedora material to have a good fedora video. Now I think I'm pretty close. I have a, I have a, a pretty good fedora video ready to go. Alright, uh, thanks for listening to the PacificPelican.us slash 64 podcast. Uh, I guess we usually call it the DJMCloud.com slash 64 podcast. Or maybe we'll call it the, uh, Pacific Pelican and Cat podcast. <laughs> right. You see how I mm. use my charms? 
Well, we, I think it's only fair. Uh, uh, I mean, that's the thing is I've always thought like it was you were just a you were you were you were um, uh, a really good uh, get in terms of talent like every time, mm-hmm. and I just thought I thought I'd just run the you know run roll roll with my luck. But I mean, of course, you know, I'm happy to have a an actual like. Uh, popular uh, person as my uh, co-host that I would only think that that could only help the podcast this uh, is recorded April 27, 2015 and I am Dan McKeown she is uh, Jessica McKeown (laughs) and uh, you can find Shono's stuff at the website djmcloud.com look for podcast 149 and uh you can email the show podcast at pacific pelican.us <laughs>